This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Age of Radio. What is going on, everybody? We are back. This is episode 145 of the Dark Windows podcast. My name is Kevin. I'm Kevin. So this week, we are going to continue down our road trip. We are going to go to the great state of Indiana. Let's go talk about the Hoosier state real quick. The Hoosiers. We're going to get into that because that's not a real word. (laughs) Maybe it is. Hey, mm. Indiana covers 36,418 square miles. Uh, The southern half of the state is more hilly terrain that kind of gives way to some more flat areas in the northern part. It's also home to 6.7 million people, which puts them about six times the population of our home state of Vermont. The largest city in the state, Indianapolis, covers 368 square miles. So that's a pretty big city. Wait, hold on. You said you said mountains to the south. What? The yeah, it's, those it's are the, ones that's, the what the fucking what mountains are those? Um, I can't think. Is it? I don't I really. I don't know Smoky if it's, Mountains or whatever. I think it's. I think it's all part of like the Smoky Mountains, like the Appalachia area. Um, because that's well, kind of like where it connects to like Ohio and Kentucky and all that. Yeah, jumble fuck down there. The Appalachian Mountains don't go into it. So I. I don't know. I'm not a. I think, a, I, I think that'd be Smoky Mountains. All right, maybe not. I don't know. Anyway, I mean, I we've, really we've, we've we've discussed it more than once on this show. Neither one of us are geologists. No, but we do know people that live in Indiana. Yeah, we're gonna get into that. So, um, so some fun facts from Indiana. The uh, the name Indiana itself means Indian land, and the name of the folks that live there are Hoosiers. And this is kind of a mystery because nobody really knows where the word Hoosiers, like Hoosier actually came from. <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of like here with, uh, with the last name Ujir, where it didn't exist until people came to Vermont. And we're like, you know what? We got to f- come up with a last name. Let's go with that one. Fuck it. <laughs> Cause there's Sounds good. There's no Ujirs outside of Vermont unless they moved away. Uh huh. We're the only, <laughs> we have the, uh, we own the, the fucking patent on that last name. We have a trademark on it. Yes. The first professional baseball game was played in our buddy Justin Rimmel's hometown in Fort Wayne, Indiana, May 4th of 1871. Between two teams that no longer exist. Oh, yeah? Yep. I couldn't find the are names you, of them, but... Are you sure it was the first? The first professional baseball game, yeah. Oh, okay. I thought it was, like, in... Okay. I thought it was somewhere else. I thought it was, like, in... New York or something like that. Cooper, are you thinking Cooperstown? No, because of the Hall no. of Fame. No, Elvis what? Presley's last live performance was in Indy in 1977. He died three months later on the toilet, just full yeah. of barbiturates, heart attack, and, right? Uh, I, I think so, but he he definitely died like full of painkillers and like grilled peanut butter and <laughs> peanut butter and banana sandwiches. Hey man, what a fucking way to go! I mean, sign me up. Most of the corn used for popping comes from Indiana, and it's also the birthplace of Orville Redenbacher. No he was, shit. He was born in Brazil, Indiana. Brazil, I Brazil, not... I don't know how they would pronounce it. Yeah, I don't know, but I did not know that. Yeah, everybody think would think, you know, Nebraska, but no, Indiana's fucking on top of the corn game, at least the popcorn yeah. game. Oh, I, I, yeah, but I didn't know that Orville Redenbacher, because I remember, do you remember him as a kid? Do you yeah. ever seen him on TV? Yeah, I didn't think he was a real person. I thought it was just a fucking made-up name that they gave to some dude as a spokesman. No, no. I mean, I remember he was, like, ancient when I was a kid. Dude, I also just learned Captain Crunch is not actually a captain. 
according to his uniform, like the stripes on it, he's technically a commander. He would be a naval commander. So he's not a captain. He is Commander Crunch. Well, yeah, because... yeah, Commander is a higher rank than captain. Is there a captain in, in, the, in the Navy? I don't know if there's... Well, I'm sure, yes, there's captains. I don't know if there's a commander anymore. Park County, Indiana is home to 32 covered bridges, which makes it the covered bridge capital of the world. Ooh. I thought we had some, but apparently they got, uh, they've got, wow. and they've got a surplus of covered bridges. They have us beat by like <laughs> five or six. Okay. Yeah, maybe get, like 20. They got 30. a pile. I mean, we do have quite a few covered bridges. Yeah. In Vermont. Not, not that. No, no, that's in one County. What? I have 32 in one County. No fucking way. I, really? I did. Yeah, dude. They got a shitload of uh, covered bridges. Oh, wow. Okay. Savannah's Bauer invented the first gas pump in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Okay, that's a fictional fucking name. It's not. S-Y-V-A. Well. That's a made-up name. S-Y-V Anus Bauer. <laughs> made-up name. That's it's, it's a real name. It's just one of them fucking old timey like yeah. The the first ever goldfish farm was in Martinsville, Indiana, and it opened in 1899. So koi koi pond. No goldfish, like what you'd buy like in a pet store. Goldfish. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I would have I would have thought that was for sure on like Pepperidge Farm or something like that, wherever that is. That's where all the goldfish come from. Especially uh, the pretzel ones, which are my favorite. Yeah, pepper charm, yeah. I, I, I like them pretzel ones, dude. Them's, them's mm. good. Never had them. Well, I, I, guess really? I have. I, take that I was going to say. I, I have, but they're not my favorite. I love them. So let's move on to some strange laws in Indiana. Okay. <laughs> Between October and March, it is illegal to take a bath. Showers are perfectly legal, though. Huh? Yeah, I'm assuming it would have something to do with like it's probably one of those of water. Yes, I would think because I'm assuming it's one of them like old timey dumb laws where it's like between those months you got to kind of save water, you know, because everything's frozen. Yeah, so maybe this might be one of my favorite ones I've we've done so far on the road trip in South Bend, Indiana. It is illegal to force a monkey to smoke a cigarette. <laughs> now, if, I, I don't listen, think it's listen so, here, ape. You're gonna smoke the cigar and you're gonna like it. Or it didn't say any, it didn't say anything about apes. It just said monkeys. So I'm assuming well, like whatever. spider monkeys, like smaller stuff, marmosets. You, but I'm I'm wondering if the monkey finds and lights the cigarette under its own volition. If that's illegal, I don't think so. I think uh, if if they find it and light it themselves without you know any coercion from a human it's perfectly fine listen man as a libertarian i don't care what monkeys want to do if they want to smoke cigarettes that's fine if they want to buy guns go for it they want to smoke weed awesome do it up you know we just can't let them vote because you know they're not humans and shit fuck um let them vote in Gary, Indiana, it's illegal to enter a movie theater, bar, or any form of public transportation if you have eaten garlic in the past four hours. Well, of course. You should be illegal everywhere because you're fucking... Fuck you! Fuck you! It's gonna fucking reek. And the only the only reasoning I could find for this is I'm assuming there's a lot of, uh, like... Vampires. Vamp- vampires in public transportation in Indiana. Of course. I, I didn't find a specific town for this one. If any person has a puppet show, wire dancing, or tumbling act in the state of Indiana and receives money for it, they'll be fined $3 under the act to prevent certain immoral practices. What? So if you're doing a pup, yeah, if you're doing a puppet show or like some kind of high wire act or <clears throat> fucking public gymnastics or shit and somebody gives you money, you get fined three bucks. That's an immoral act. What about peep shows? What about fucking, you know? I don't know. Uh, I, I don't. It is stupid. That's probably the stupidest um, one of them all. <laughs> but wait, there's more. Okay. Mustaches are illegal if the bearer has a tendency to habitually kiss others that don't want it. 
So if, if you are a serial kisser, you're not allowed to have a mustache. Aha. No. Listen, well, if you're going to kiss somebody against their will, we don't want any tickling involved. Just kiss them. No matter how much they kick and scream, as long as you don't have a mustache, legit, it's fine. Well, as long as they're okay with you kissing them. It didn't say that. It just said, said that it, if you said against their will, right? It, if you, if so if they're okay with you kissing them while having a mustache, you're fine. Yes, but if you are just out there just fucking mouth kissing people without their permission, and you have a mustache, probably going to jail. Yeah. Okay. So I found uh, I found there's a, a a series of famous folks from Indiana, but I narrowed it down to six. Okay. The most dangerous man from Three Point Land, Larry Bird, was born in Baden, Indiana. Fucking right. Yeah. The man, the myth, the legend. The bird. Not to bring race into it. Potentially the best white basketball player of all time. I mean, it's a, it's a, small, it's a small group, but I believe he would find him at the top of the heap. Yeah. I mean, he's probably one of the best basketball players of all time. Also, one of the best bat like white basketball players that wasn't a center. He could have been a fucking center. He was only like six six. No, he wasn't. Yeah, he was. I think he was taller than that. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. I think he was. I think he was like. I think he was taller than that. He, oh, I'm sorry, six foot nine. Yeah, that's still not centered quality. You know, cal- uh, qualification. Not every fucking center has to be seven foot tall. It helps. I mean, shit. Kevin McHale was probably... He's like 6'11". 6'10", 6'11". That's only like two inches taller than him. But still. Uh, so was... Uh, um, you you um, can't factor in just the height. You have to factor in the wingspan. But Kevin McHale wasn't a center, though. That was... um, 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 um Oh, he was, fuck. He was, a, he was a power forward. Yeah. Uh, the center was, uh, uh, fuck. Wasn't Robert Parrish, was it? Yes. Robert Parrish. You sure? Yes. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, certain period of time he was. You know, back in the, back in the heyday. He, dude, he was seven one. <laughs> but that's not that much taller than Larry Bird. It's fucking like five inches taller. <laughs> Listen, five inches is a lot. All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, who else is uh, from Indiana? Guns N' Roses frontman Axl Rose was born in Lafayette, Indiana. Oh, who cares about didn't, that? Didn't know that. Sure. Fuck you. Fuck you. Guns N' Roses was fantastic. I don't care about. I don't You're care a piece about of shit. Rose. I didn't. No, 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 no. I didn't say anything about Guns N' Roses. I was talking about Axl Rose. Okay, so where would Guns N' Roses have been without Axl Rose? Where would Guns N' Roses have been without Slash? Exactly. You need both of them. Eh. And just like Tupperware containers of cocaine. Yes, for Because I mean, actual. if you've ever listened if you've ever listened no, dude, Slash was doing just as much blow. If you've ever listened to Slash talk, you can tell that man was not built to sing. He was built to do two things. Competitively ride BMX bikes, which he do, he did, and play guitar, which he still does very well. Yes. And competitive BMX was the thing back in the day. Yeah, then he, like he he fucked his leg up, and then was like, "I can't do this." And they took up playing guitar while he was healing, and the rest is kind of history. They actually had a movie back in the eighties about uh, what was it? Uh, BMX racing. Yeah, it was called Rad. I think so. I don't know. Yeah, I don't remember. Um. Right, anyway, who else? Serial killer and dead bird enthusiast, our old buddy, Herb Baumeister, was born in Indianapolis. Uh-huh. That fucking creepy mannequin touching fuck. Old Herbie. Yeah. Herbie doesn't like dead birds. Yes, he does. <laughs> old Herbie. Absolute, <laughs> absolute proof that you can beat talent into your kids. The king of pop and by extension, the rest of his siblings, Michael Jackson was born in Gary, Indiana. Hey. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. He was, even though he may have been a little bit of a 
kid toucher, maybe, possibly. I don't really know. According to a lot of people, like a lot of kids that were like, no, he actually never did. Um, oh, I, I wasn't getting into that. I was just saying that, you know, he is he is living proof that you can beat talent into your kids because yeah. his dad beat the piss out of them. And they were all fairly successful. Yeah, definitely. You know, so what if some of their noses fell off? Whatever. Or they they're all off or their titties got honked at the Super Bowl. Who cares? That was fucking <laughs> horrific. One of the last gangsters with any honor, John Dillinger, was born in Indianapolis. Oh, fucking right. Yeah. So that's uh, that's just a handful of famous folks from Indiana. Also, Indiana is home to my favorite fictional town of all time from any TV show, uh, Pawnee from uh, Parks and Recs. So therefore, by extension, Ron Swanson and uh-huh. Andy Dwyer are both from Indiana as well. <laughs> hey, I think it's probably... It's home to one of my favorite racetracks. Indianapolis like... Speedway? Yeah. I like Indianapolis Speedway. It's a pretty cool racetrack. Okay, so why don't you lead us off this week and so, yeah, so uh, dive into my, what you've so, got. So what I'm doing, I, I chose to do for this week is the Hannah House. Oh, uh, we're doing a, a haunted house? Yeah. Nice. Uh, the Hannah House was built in 1858, and it was built... And the uh, Italianate style of architecture. The house was built for Alexander Hanna, who was a state legislature. Oh, was, was, yeah, was a state legislator. Slet, legislator. Um, he decided to build the house in that style, the Italianate style, after looking at many uh, trade publications, architectural guides of the time. Because they were the place to go yeah. to get the best and po- most popular styles of the time of the for building. Uh, the first floor features a wide central hall that runs through a main through the main house and continues outside as the gallery to the north kitchen wing. There's a staircase in the gallery that leads up to the second floor of the kitchen wing. Sorry. You know what this reminds me of? This the uh, what this they're speaking of hmm. is um, what we refer to as our house. Over oh, ha- yeah, very similar to the haunted house. No, no, no. Oh, no, oh, no. no you're the one on Route Thirty. Yes. Yeah. Yes. This is this house is kind of like this set up. Um. Okay, so like I said, there is a staircase in the gallery that leads up to the second floor. Um of the kitchen wing there is a small room perhaps a nursery and a large bedroom um that's on that floor in the in that area in the main house there are customary four bedrooms or four rooms two parlors on one side of the main hallway and the dining room and sitting room on the other side of the main Uh hallway so this is basically just your standard house of the time so you'd have like a central walkway and maybe a, yeah. in a stairwell going up with you go off to either side. So when you come in, you know, most people, they have the parlor, which they're like, okay, hey, uh, we'll sit you in there. And then, you know, then you, we'll, we'll do whatever. If it's just a minor conversation, we'll have a minor conversation in the be- parlor before like going maybe into like a living room or something else or the dining room, which would be, you know, off of the parlor. In other words, it had one of those, had one of those living rooms in it that I, as a child was not allowed to go in at my friend's house with all the white furniture and the white carpet and stuff. You don't go in that room. Yeah. It would. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like my great grandmother's house, you know, one of those rooms where, I never really got set fucking foot into that area. No, you don't <laughs> it was, because it was off limits. Yes. Um, so like I said, had two parlors, one on uh, one side of the main hallway and the, there's a dining room and sitting room on the other side of the main hallway. The dining room connects to the kitchen wing, which is customary, um, which has a what pantry. Bone does that connect to? That connects to the what, kitchen. What, what the, part of the what part of the wing is that? Is that the drum or the flat? Th- yes, the flat. 
because that okay, connects to then. the that connects to the pantry bone. The you know, um, <laughs> Dude, when but, it comes uh, to wings, I'm a, I'm a flat guy. When it comes to wings, that's just that's honestly how it's supposed to be. So you know? the kitchen and the third little piece where it's like a fucking like what I don't know what a knife. Like the it's technically the end of the wing because you have the bone the 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 drum is the shoulder, the uh flat would be like the um main like the the upper bone in your arm, and then there's that other part where it's just like the end of the wing. There's no goddamn meat on it. Why do you eat those fucking weird people? What? There's three That's... parts to a chicken wing. I don't think so. Lies. Okay. Anyway. Lies. I, I was some I was somewhat of a chicken wizard for quite some Listen, time. Listen, I don't care. Chicken wizard. <laughs> the kitchen has a small hallway with uh a stair that runs up to the second floor. Because really? you know that's kind of what you can't do. have your servants coming down that side. You can't have your servants using the main, you know, stairwell. They have to use another stairwell. Um, the second floor of the main house has a main hall with four bedrooms and a sitting room um, that's off the main hall. Uh, most rooms have their original Greek revival fireplaces. Now, I didn't know what the fuck a Greek revival fireplace was, so I actually had to look it up. And I've actually seen these before and not known it at all. You possibly have if you've ever been into like an old ass house there what they are is there a like an actual fireplace so they have um like columns on either yes, side I've seen those with a with a pillar yep on top and usually so that's not your like that's just like a decoration on the outside and then you have an insert that is your actual fireplace so that it could be brick yeah, and some people actually nowadays have actually turned that into um, uh, like I can't think of uh, um, what the fuck do they use? Ah, uh, fuck, what is that? Um, like an electric insert, electric or insert, or they use uh, propane ah, inserts. Okay. But or some actually had like um, it almost seems like a they had a um. Like a uh, a wood stove built into it that was mm-hmm. like cast iron or whatever that you know they could use, but it was very very ornamental and kind of you know really nice looking, fancy. Yeah, yeah, definitely fancy. Like probably the most fancy of all, you know, because well, not really the most fancy of all. The most fancy is. Is like the the stove the uh, fireplaces that you actually can cook on. You ever seen one of those? Yep. Or cook in. They yeah, actually have like. Them. Well, no, they they have that, but they also have like a an oven off of it because it actually feeds into it. So you can you can uh, have like your oven. So you have uh, you can cook your food in one side <clears throat> in one spot, and then up above it they have a place for uh, like your bread. Mm-hmm. So you can, you know, do bread and whatever else. And then they also have a place on the opposite side of it for your firewood to go. Right. So, I mean, pretty, I'm like, and I've seen, I've seen plenty of these and I'm like, holy fuck. You know, the ingenuity for these people to, to have those. I mean, it's kind of cool when you have, you see those with like one fireplace on one side and another completely another fireplace on the other side yeah. of it and less, less fancy. So most rooms have that Greek fireplace that I just talked about. Yep. Um, in all the house had 24 rooms inside of it. So Jesus. fucking gigantic house. Um, Alexander M. Hanna was born in Wayne County in Southern Indiana in 1821. And he trained as a harness maker. He left that business in 1850 to seek his fortune in the California gold rush. As yeah, a prospector, yeah. As a prospector, Hannah earned enough money to become part owner of a ranch in California. The ranch was a barley and vegetable ranch. That's After, exciting. <laughs> yes, very exciting. After five years, he sold off his uh, various businesses 
business interests, I should say, and moved back to Indiana, finally settling in uh, Indianapolis. Hannah's father, Samuel, was president of the Indiana Central Railroad, and Alexander found work with that company when he returned. I wonder how. Yeah. Did he have know. to fill out a? Did he have to fill out an application and go through a, a like a, a grueling interview process, or was it like, oh, hey, probably. Dad, no, <laughs> I need I think a it job because was... I blew all my money in California on gold. No, well, I think he was. <laughs> he think he actually had a lot of money. It's just I think he you know needed work, and his dad was like, "Hey, come work for me, you know, yeah. make money." Uh. The Hanna family owned extensive property in Marion County, uh, so which is good for him. Alexander Hanna himself acquired 240 acres south of Indianapolis and began construction on his beautiful red brick dream home, which is called the Hanna home. Um, the Indianapolis-Southport Toll Road, which was the first rail, first toll road, in Marion County, crossed his property. Aha! So, being an early road from Indianapolis to Madison, he, from 1860 to 1895, collected tolls from travelers along his section of gravel surface road. That's how you do it. Yeah. The major east-west street of South of his house still bears the name Hannah Avenue. He was uh, very much anti-slavery, and before the Civil War, he would hide runaway slaves in his mansions, mansion's basement until they could be safely moved along to the next location. He was basically a part of the Underground Railroad. Good dude. Yeah. Um. So after being a bachelor for 51 years of his life, he got <laughs> married to the love of his life, Elizabeth Jackson, in 1872. To celebrate this, he would add on to the house, and as part of the addition, he would have a smokehouse put into it, wash house, milk cooling room, summer kitchen, and servants' quarters. Jesus. Uh, they would live peacefully, a peaceful life together, but it was not without tragedy. Elizabeth would have a miscarriage in a second floor bedroom. It's not sure which bedroom, but she would have a miscarriage up there. That sucks. Uh, they would work through this tragedy together and would move on with their life the best they could by continuing to entertain guests, participate in town functions and other experiences that they would want to do together. In his later years, Alexander would be elected to public office, such as serving in Indiana's General Assembly, as well as serving at various times as postmaster, sheriff, clerk of the and the clerk of the county court circuit. He's a busy dude. Yeah. And also becoming a involved in the the state legislature. There you go. Yes. Like the, the the words you know you know they were there. <laughs> words, motherfucker. Do you speak them? <laughs> no. <Anyway>. I noticed. <laughs> uh, Elizabeth would die in 1888, and then in 1895, Alexander would put up the house uh, on the market to be sold. After four years on the market, it was purchased by a proper prosperous jewelry businessman named Roman. Holer. He bought the house and the 21 acres of surrounding property. Roman replaced the creaky wooden front porch with a wider concrete one. Holer's daughter, Romana, Romina Holer, elder, and her husband and their family became the third owners of this lovely house and stayed there until 1962. In 1962, David Elder took the responsibility of of caring for the place, but it, but didn't actually live there. The mansion was vacant for six years. The elder family didn't want to sell the forever family home just yet. So from 1968 to 1978, 
Uh, so it was vacant from that time. But then from okay. 68... So it was vacant for 10 years. Yeah, well, six years. Okay. But then in 68, uh, Mr. and Mrs. O'Brien moved in the, into the house, and they lived there till 1978. Um, they actually opened... When they moved in, they opened an antique store in one part of the mansion and lived part-time in the other parts of the mansion. Uh, they are the ones who first experienced paranormal activity in the house. Okay. The Hannah House was listed in 1978 as a recognized historical landmark by the U.S. Department of the Interior and also listed on the National Registry of Historic Places. Makes sense. Pretty cool. Uh, the Hannah House until recently was the Hannah House Museum and was rented out for social events. When the owner responsible for this property recently died, everything was closed, once again leaving the mansion to Mr. and Mrs. Hannah to enjoy in peace and anyone else there. Now, there are some uh, there are some of the possible there are some possible reasons for the house being haunted. Two of the reasons for the haunting we kind of discussed which would be the miscarriage Mm -hmm. and Elizabeth dying. Also Alexander dying because he did die in the place uh, not too long after. Also Indian burial ground. Huh? Also Indian burial ground. No. God damn it. No. Some other type of burial ground though. Uh, Quartz burial ground. Maybe. (laughs) A reason that I didn't discuss happened yeah, it happened during the time Alexander was uh, housing slaves. Oh, yeah. Oh. During the underground, one night a lantern was accidentally knocked over by by one of the servants. No, do which... you? When you say accidentally, do you mean quote unquote accidentally, or or like accidentally, accidentally? Fifty <laughs> fifty. Mm, I'm going to go with quote-unquote accidentally, honestly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so, Lantern was knocked over, which caused a fire in the basement, killing many of the slaves that were hiding there. They Yikes. died from either died from smoke inhalation or burns. Well, it's kind of how you die in a fire. I mean, yeah, you, you, you don't generally drown in a fire. I mean... Well, it's either or. I mean, you could die from... Burns, or you could die from smoke inhalation. That's what I was saying. Those are pretty much your only two choices. No. You could just be trampled to death. You're not going to die of old age in a fire. You might. Never know. Eh. Uh, So so as the story goes, the slaves that died uh, there were hastily and temporarily buried in Hannah's uh, by Hannah's servants in the dirt of the cellar floor. In an attempt to cover up the accident, so to stop the, so not to stop the uh, underground railroad f- from keep coming, and it so wouldn't yeah. you know be discovered at all. They were uh, hiding slaves was not an activity that would have been kept in official records or talked about openly at the time. So there is no way to actually verify how true the story is, right? So, but I mean. It's kind of got to be true because the story has been like passed down from one family generation to the next. Although no categorically proven current day neighbors, you know, I mean, they don't really know, you know, but they have reported partially collapsed tunnels, which leave his property. I could have. That was the mole people. It could have been the mole people. We don't know. Possibly. Um, So, which can I mean? It does say that he was associated with Underground Railroad. I mean, we have places like that around here. Yep. But I mean, my aunt lived in a house that had that. Yeah, but really, the Underground Railroad wasn't like what we think because it wasn't really totally underground. They just, you know, would hide them in a basement and then like at night they would move them. Or if they did have a tunnel that was only between like one house to another, 
Right, but that's also why you they know. called it the Underground Railroad because you, you're not going to like hide him in the sitting room. You keep him in the basement. Probably. I don't yeah. know. It's underground. I mean, you know? if you hide him in the basement or uh, sitting room, nobody will notice him. Really? Yeah. I'm pretty sure they would have noticed a whole bunch of black folks in your house and been like, hey, what are these guys doing here? You'd be like, uh, nothing. Working. <laughs> Get back to work, yeah, you. And then yeah. the guy leaves. The, the guy's leaving. You're like, oh my God, I'm so, so sorry. <laughs> Motherfucker didn't even know my name. Here, do you, you guys, are you guys Joseph, hungry or something? You asshole. <laughs> <laughs> so uh like i said previously the o'briens in the 1960s were the final uh were the final family to actually move into the house and they were the first to experience strange shit in the house happening during this time that specific claims of haunting proliferated into local legend there were such things as Cold spots, foul, foul smells, flying spoons, doors, <laughs> and wall hangings with a mind of their own. And like, they one of those also had like the other things. They also had disembodied voices and many other things. The spirits were actually uh, inadvertently provoked in 1980 when the mansion was used as a haunted house yay to raise money yeah so the paranormal Turns out activity the shit's actually haunted yeah so the paranormal activity spiked then yeah since the time the property has played host to news crews and psychics and paranormal professionals many of whom have reported unusual occurrences so I'm gonna read some. Uh, I actually found some, um, some of the um, activity happening that uh, that I found online. I won't. I'll only, I won't read all of them, but I'll read just a few. That's fine. <clears throat> oh, this is called. Uh, the first one is called "Noises in the Basement." While working about the mansion during doing various upkeep chores, Elder suddenly heard a terrific crash of breaking glass like jars breaking into a million pieces, resounding from the basement. Elder rushed down to the basement and found nothing amiss at all. Elder then noticed fruit jars that were being stored in the area where the slaves that were killed in a fire and were buried so many years ago. So, hmm. possibility that maybe, I don't know. Uh, let's see. This one's called visual activity. Spoons had the tendency to fly across the room, and wall hangings would swing by themselves. Mrs. O'Brien also witnessed the door to the attic open by itself. After the handle deliberately turned by itself, the door to the the door to this order emitting room freely swung open at will, even when the room had been securely locked. Pretty uh, so the door just fucking whipped open. Yep, after it was locked. Yep. Okay, yeah, that sounds like some haunting to me. <laughs> yeah, I'm no, I'm no expert, but that sounds like a haunting. No, no. Uh, so this one's called Alexander Hannah likes children. Okay, so on hold on night... here. <laughs> hold on, we can't just let that title slide. Does he likes children or does he likes likes children? Likes children. Okay. Well, like, let it, like, like creepy van and mustache likes children, or let's get through it. Okay. I don't think, I'm... I think, I don't think so. I don't, okay. I'm just saying, we can't really let a title like that just like slide by the wayside without no. making a comment on it. I don't think it's like that. <sighs> no. Jesus Christ. So, on the second night of, of painting, Mrs. O'Brien's son brought his wife and two other little girls to keep him company, as well as help with the painting. While three of them worked on in one room, the youngest girl played on the, on the stairs. They heard the little girl talking with someone and came out to investigate. She showed no fear and was talking to a grandfatherly type man, which she could see and her family couldn't see. The rest of her family watched 
her carry on a conversation, mesmerized. Then the little girl said that dad, quote, was climbing back up the steps. Totally spooked, the family left promptly. No shit, Sherlock. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Second sighting of Alexander. Mr. O'Brien also saw a transparent apparition who was standing in an archway on the stairs. He was wearing an old-fashioned black suit and had mutton-chop whiskers. He melted away before Mr. O'Brien could reach him. That's fucking... So he's just, like, chilling out and just, like, bloop, gone? Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, let's see. Unintended provoking. From 1980 to 1982, Hannah House was used as the annual haunted house project of the Indianapolis Indianapolis Jaycees. They would take kids on a tour of the of the spooky old mansion with special scary effects added for entertainment. Duh. Uh, while how taking, haunted houses work. Yeah. While taking a break from the project, the coordinator and fellow workers were sitting in the summer kitchen, which was located right next to the staircase, which was used by the servants to go up to the second floor many years ago. Suddenly, loud scratching sounds were heard coming from inside the staircase landing wall. Despite quickly moving to investigate, the source of the noise was never located. I mean, personally, that one I think could be fucking like mice or something. Yeah, you never know. You got a fucking raccoon in the wall or something. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. All right. Here's the last one. TV crews experiences. October 1981, a TV crew went to the Hannah house to film a segment on the JC's Halloween house. A cameraman stood in the the dining room doorway, planning to get a shot of the room from, from that point. After he commented about that, wouldn't it be unnerving if the room's chandelier would start to swing? The chandelier started to swing in <laughs> a six-inch arc. After investigating, the swinging chandelier had they had no re- reasonable cause to make it do so. Uh, the psychic Alan Cumming- Cunningham might be related to Archie, not sure, was brought in by the crew uh, into the mansion at this on the same day, she felt. Oh, that's Aline. Whoops, not Alan. <laughs> Whoopsie. <laughs> yeah, either way, <laughs> I kind of like you know didn't really. I was like, oh, Alan. That's all I saw. <laughs> anyway, uh, a Lady Alan. Aline Cunningham was brought <laughs> by the crew into the mansion on the same day. She felt cold spots and presences in the house. So the house is fucking haunted. So, yeah, so we that is, have established that at this point, I think. Yeah. So that is the Hannah house. And I guess it is currently still closed. I don't know if it's because of ownership or because of COVID. So I was, I'm guessing it's probably six of one, COVID. half a dozen of the other. Yeah. Probably. So anyway, what is your... T- or do we want to take a break now? Take a break. Yeah, we'll I think come we back should take yours. a break real quick. And then, uh, yeah, we'll come back and cover... Um, yeah. It's uh, it's interesting. It's it's not quite what uh, you almost think it would be. Well, I don't know what the fuck it is. So... Exactly. So we'll be right back. Okay. We are back. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Galvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one 
all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the Department of Metahuman Affairs or DMA and check it out right now. So south of Indianapolis, about 45 minutes on Route 65, sits a smaller city. Um, by smaller city, I mean smaller than Indianapolis, um, by the name of Columbus, Indiana. From what I've seen, it looks like there's actually some pretty interesting stuff to do there, um, including a lot of like outdoors kind of stuff, mostly in the Mill Race Park. The park is about 83 acres, uh, 83 square acres, um, with biking and hiking paths and a, like a nice looking little pond. It's got some river access. You can get in and do some fishing. There's also something else that lurked in the park. Okay. Way back, way back in 1974, on the 1st of November, the police in Columbus received a frantic phone call from a teenage girl that had been sitting in her car with three friends when what she called, quote, a creature that was six to seven feet tall, covered in what looked like green moss, approached the vehicle. The girls first see it moving between a pair of trees near the boat landing at the east end of uh, the White River. And as they're watching it, it comes between these two trees that it had been walking back and forth between and just lunges at the car. The, the car was still running, thankfully. So they just, she fucking kicked it into gear and stomped on it and got out of there. Of Later course, that, you saw some fucking green beast-like fucking thing coming at you. Right. Of right. course, who the hell wouldn't want to, you know, unless they, I mean, well, unless they thought they were really fucking high. Yeah. You know, they probably <laughs> thought about it like, man, we were fucking high as a kite. I don't know if that was real. <laughs> we were higher than Eagle Pussy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know how that's, that's, you know. That's I mean, pretty high, dude. I guess. Later that night, another pair of women stopped near pretty close to the same spot where the first sighting had taken place without any knowledge that that first sighting had actually happened. The driver killed the engine and the two women sat there and they ate their fast food dinner and just kind of talked as they talked and ate. They noticed movement in the woods. Uh, the woman in the passenger seat had this to say about the encounter. Just a typical evening shortly after Halloween. And we decided to take our food to the park and eat and talk. We were just kind of staring into the woods. When out from the woods comes this thing. It had to be seven feet tall, if not taller. It was taller than an average man. It leapt from the woods and started beating on the windshield where we were screaming. Why wouldn't we be screaming? We thought we were going to die. I said, we, I told my, I told my friend, we have to get out of here. But her leg was shaking so bad that she couldn't start the car. So her legs were shaking in fear so bad that she couldn't fucking operate the brake. And I'm assuming the clutch at that point in time to get the car started. At this point, the glass is covered in what appears to be some kind of slime or mucus. But this is also when they got a really good look at the creature. There was a greenish tinge to him, the thing's face. I don't know if it had been in the river drinking and it got moss on it because there was so much slime on its face. It did have fangs that were uh, they were trying to bite through the glass, and I was afraid he was going to tear the door off. Nothing ever scared me as much as that. The driver finally gets herself together enough to start the car and take off, and they end up right at the police station. Even though these women were older than the teenagers that had reported earlier, huh? the police still didn't buy the tale that some giant green snot-covered critter is running around in the park. Uh-huh. When the officers questioned the passenger, they laughed at her. Uh, they laughed her encounter off. Um, they also made sure that she wasn't drunk or stoned. It was the seventies, after all, and this is kind of before DUIs were a thing. <laughs> you know, I, you were allowed to drink at eighteen. Yeah, and if you got picked up for drinking and you were driving, they were like, "Just fucking go home." Well, no, unless they you call were your parents. They know who your parents were, and they called your fucking parents. And were like, "Hey." Susie and Johnny or, you know, if you were a kid, but if you were like a full blown adult, they're like, just fucking go home. Don't do this, you idiot. Or they drove you home and like, hey, just, you know, park your vehicle. We'll drive you home. Right. A little bit more lenient back then. Yeah. Probably why why there was more single car fatalities back in the 70s and 80s than there there are now. But hey, so the officers are still not buying the story until they go outside 
and see and strangely enough smell the car uh the passenger of the car said that the outside of the vehicle smelled like decomposing animals and stagnant water which is fucking gross not a good combination mm. neither one okay, of those I'll, smells I'll, are good I'll take your word for it yeah uh, and the cops, after like approaching the vehicle and getting a, a whiff of it, agreed with her. This was enough to get them to finally go out and search the area. And they, of course, find nothing of interest and head back to the station. Uh-huh. The story would make its way through town by the next morning. The Republic newspaper ran a short article with a pretty descriptive headline, which was Monster. Women report seeing Beast in Mill Race. The paper would run another story on the 6th, and here's like a little snippet of it. The Mill Race monster has returned, apparently stepping out of the shadows Tuesday long enough to scare two park goers. County police report two men in their 20s saw a large, hairy thing hiding behind trees near the covered bridge at about 4 p.m. and again shortly before midnight. So they saw this thing twice in the same day within uh, 10 hours of each sighting. Yeah. These, two, these same two guys. Yeah. The men who did not give their names said that after seeing the monster Tuesday afternoon, they returned with binoculars that evening to get a better look. They told the police that the monster was found and eventually chased them from the park. Chased them from the park? Yeah, it, it chased them off. Jesus. But okay. their first their first sighting is in like damn near broad daylight. Yeah. I mean, it's beginning in November. It's four o'clock in the afternoon, so it's it's starting to get dark. But uh-huh. it's not dark enough that you can't see it. Yeah. Then on the ninth, the Indianapolis Star, which is another newspaper, ran a story Smart about magazine. Two, right. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. It just that's, sounds like it. Listen, sounds man, like, that's you know, that's, that's what my dad all refer- fucking newspapers are now. Uh, my dad refers to those, you know, those like sleazy newspapers as smut magazines, not yeah. like the, the National Enquirer and all the you know the Star and whatever else. Yeah, you know, just so I, the, so when I just hear star, I'm just like ah, smut magazine. <laughs> so they ran a story about two guys that were in the park quote studying ways to rescue cats from trees. <laughs> sure, they were. These two guys have an encounter with the beast. Uh, they said that they had seen the creature from about 200 feet away, so fairly close. I mean, you can still kind yeah, of pick up some detail at that distance. 200 feet's not that far. No. One of the men, Rick Duckworth, being either braver than me or being a balls-out madman, takes off after the thing. Okay. And here's a little clip from that, uh, a little further clip from the the article. Uh, When Duckworth started toward the monster, the beast took off as fast as a deer and disappeared into the woods. With the mon- with the monster gone, the two men obtained a ladder and lowered the <laughs> lowered the two cats to the ground. As soon as they hit the ground, the cats took off like li- like bolts of lightning. Uh, really? One one disappeared into the distance, and the other ran into a sewer line. According to Duckworth, they were really scared. He added, uh, Duckworth told uh, the reporter that if he saw the thing, he would quote shoot it with a tranquilizer gun that he had for catching dogs. Oh, yeah, sure he would. So my question is, if you have a tranquilizer gun specifically for catching dogs, are you a dog catcher, A, or are you a potential serial killer just sating your appetite for blood by tranquilizing dogs and strangling them? No, they're a dog (laughs) hater. And why aren't they shooting fucking cats with them, too? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. It's like, I think they're tranquilizing dogs and fucking strangling them in the woods. I mean, so so they they don't bust a murder nut and kill somebody in public. I guess, you know, it's it's, it's easier to kill dogs than it is people. It's Uh. (laughs) honestly, I would rather have you kill people than dogs because dogs are better people than most people. Yes, you're right. So he said this was this would be done to prove that the creature was nothing more than a big man wearing a mask and green blankets. Hmm. So he chases this thing off, thinking it's a dude in a costume. Mm-hmm. And if he had caught it, it would have just torn his ass up. <laughs> you know, or it, I don't know, does something else. So after he made that comment, a lot of uh, city officials, including the police, latch onto the whole prankster in a costume idea and run with it. And this, of course, pisses off all the witnesses. 
because basically you have the police, the mayor, city council, just going, ah, you're fucking nuts. It's just some dude, you know. Um, so the woman from the second sighting that was in the car said, I know it's real. And what I saw is not a joke. It was not I a person. Promise in a I costume. wasn't high. Yeah, right. <laughs> it was not a person in a costume. It was really something that could uh, that could move around. It could grimace its face. It was growling. It was very aggressive. So people Wait, can think what they want. How do you grimace your face? You know, like making faces. You know, okay, like angry right. faces and shit. You, obviously, again. masks masks don't do that. Ah, uh-huh. uh, okay. Uh, so people can think what they want. Uh, what they want. Uh, I know what I saw, and it was pretty bad. I don't want to think about it too long because it still scares me to this day. Mm. So this lady saw some shit. She saw yeah. something that freaked her out. Yeah. So after the fourth sighting, word spreads even further, and that's when the monster hunters show up. Okay. The, the heavily armed amateur monster hunters. <laughs> They flood into town, armed to the teeth, and cars and trucks all looking to be the guy to bag the big bad monster. Uh-huh. On one night, there was <laughs> there was reported to be over a hundred cars clustered around the outside of the park. We're gonna kill that uh, son of a bitch. Come on, yeah. Charlie. Get your shotgun. So, so paranormal investigator and native of Columbus, Chris McDaniel, described the situation as quote. People were coming out of the woodwork and they were, they were walking through the uh, the woods with baseball bats and shotguns. It was getting to be a thorny situation. <laughs> so some, fucker, to, some poor fucker's going to get shot. So to further confirm this story, here's a quote from Harry McCauley, uh, who was a former editor at the Republic. We got this report from the police department that, and they described it kind of in terms of a Bigfoot with green scaly things coming off of it. The front page helped to feed what developed afterward. The police reported that people were coming down to the park searching for the monster. So this this confirms that there were actually people going out into the park with fucking ball bats and shotguns looking for this thing that everybody in town has convinced each other is some dickhead in a costume. So either you know, A, like, it, it, you're going to kill a monster... Mind. Or B, you're going to fucking kill the slow guy that just thinks it's fun to pick on people. You know what it kind of reminds me of? It kind of reminds me of this uh, that scene, like that period of time in uh, Silver Bullet. You know, you can't kill that son of a bitch. We will. <laughs> they fucking, they'll kill you. Oh, I see it. And they fucking shoot in the goddamn bushes. And it's actually like little Tommy Thomerson or whatever the fuck his name is. You know, uh, Mike, Mikey, whatever the fuck. And like. You dumb son of a bitch, you killed him. So probably this, that's probably what's going to happen. <laughs> In an effort to keep anyone from getting their wieners blown off, City Park Director Robert Gilkin ordered that the park be closed at night. According to a story that appeared November 8th, 1974, Gilkin said, it may become uh, necessary to close the park to the public at night, not because of the monster, but because of the public. <laughs> 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 fuck, fuck the monster the people yeah. the, the, the fucking problem one of these fucking morons is gonna shoot his buddy in the nuts and then we're gonna have to explain that to everybody tell me they do oh so with everything going on and people flowing into town like again armed to the teeth uh, the police the police named officer kenneth st john to the position of i can't believe that this is an actual title it's fucking <laughs> excellent and i want it myself Monster control officer. <laughs> He's a dog catcher, but for monsters. Aha. Uh-huh. That would be a great book. <laughs> yes. So after come a bit. Out, come I'll... out wherever you are. <laughs> He's out there with a fucking net. <laughs> and, and like a cattle prod. Like throw it over whist- and like shock it. Whistling. Give me yeah. one. Come on. <laughs> he's got he's got like a pocket full of cat food he's throwing on the ground trying to draw it out catch no it one of the big fucking bugs bunny style like box traps yeah <laughs> pull the stick out drop the, the box on it so after a bit all the interest died off and people started to leave town after not finding anything and it became a, a local legend and kind of grew into some more stories of like of people course. saying they saw it but not being able to prove that they saw it mm-hmm. all that 
Now, here's where it gets difficult because this is where people want to try to put it into one of two camps. Yep. Was it Bigfoot? Or was this some kind of lizard man thing? It was described as being big and uh, big green and mossy. And it was also described as being more slimy and scaly. Okay. So <clears throat> I think you could also try to put this thing into a couple of other boxes. Is it maybe some kind of a, like a one-off like freak monster that doesn't really fit into one conventional category? Or is it potentially, and I can't believe I'm going to go down this road. This is going to blow your fucking mind. Is it some kind of an extra or ultra terrestrial creature? Are you, you know? feeling okay? I, I am, but it's it's one of the things that doing the research on it, I'm like, it makes just as much sense. You know, because some people described it as almost like a green Bigfoot and others described it as being more, like I said, almost like a lizard man, kind of. Well, so, yeah, I mean... It's not the like the worst thing I've heard of. I mean, I've heard of like people. This one guy, I don't know where the hell it was, had like he said he had a alien encounter with um at his house. He was woken up in the middle of the night, and like there was a whole bunch of shit going on in his house. Turns out that like there was a UFO that was shooting at I think or something, at, at, like a creature. That kind of looked like a pot-bellied Nessie <laughs> or a champ. Kind of something like that. I want a toxicology report on this guy. Because uh, this know, motherfucker man. might be on drugs. <laughs> but no, I mean, it's just you know something like that. Like where there's a possibility, you know. I mean, there's been other places where they've had, you know, other things like that. So could it be? Some kind but of I mean, little experiment. Yeah, I mean, either way, either way, it's a very, very interesting and very well documented story. Um, and one of the one of the few kind of cryptids I found from Indiana that wasn't somehow a lake monster. Because they, yeah. they have another one uh that I was kind of like, maybe we'll do that, but it's uh the beast of busco, which is a giant fucking turtle in a lake somewhere, like 25 to 30 foot diameter shell, big fucking oh turtle. yeah, yeah. Oh, it's wow. supposedly like snags dogs and ducks and shit off the surface. I was like, that's pretty cool. Um, I was like, eh, I don't want to talk about a turtle. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's so that that was the the mill race monster. That's uh, what I had for Indiana for uh, Indiana. Nice, nice. Yeah. Fucking strange ass fucking yeah fucking solar... green Bigfoot or a hairy lizard man. One of the two. <laughs> Something crossbreed. <laughs> yeah. It's a lizard man Bigfoot hybrid. Yes. Which I don't think is allowed to happen. That's fucking gross. Hey. I would hope that happen. Bigfoot would have more sense than that to, you know, crossbreed with one of them fucking English royals. Well, you know, that's how shit goes. True. Very much. But speaking of how shit goes. Yes. Head out, head your asses over to studio.com. Check them out. They got all the earbuds, the headphones, the Bluetooth speaker, which I wish I had last Friday. I'm Why? almost tempted to go buy one because we were doing uh, inventory, and I love to had the that Bluetooth speaker because the damn thing lasts a lot longer than what I had, and a lot louder yeah. too. So, dude, it's might have so to, good. Might have to uh, wind up get me one. But spend the money worth it. Yes. On that note, it's too bad. There's not a promo code you can put in to save some money. You can. Or but before there? we get to that, if you are in the mood to get a pair of Bluetooth noise canceling earbuds, look no further than the ETS. They are being sold right now for the low price of one twenty nine US ninety nine. Uh, pounds 179 Canadian and if you would like to get a wireless charger for them you can get pick one up of those up for $49 US 39 pounds or $69 Canadian 
So what the hell? And also on top of that, so say if you put the ets in your bag, at your checkout bag, and then you go and put the wireless charger in, you get those in, and then you get to checkout. You put the promo code of DarkCriminals15 in, you get 15% off the entire purchase. Nice. You know, because what the hell? Why not? So, go over to studio.com, check them out. And also, if you want to go over to another little place, darkwindowspod.com, check them out. You can find <laughs> a link. You can find a link to our studio uh, friends there. Um, you can also find a link to our Age of Radio page where you can listen to every episode of this stupid shit that we've ever done, including all of our future dumbness, which mm-hmm. we have the next approximately 11 weeks planned out in advance, which is awesome. <laughs> Something close to that. Makes makes life a little bit easier for everybody. Uh-huh. Um, and you can also, uh, while you're there, uh, go to Age, go to the Age Radio page I was just talking about. You can find your next favorite podcast on Age of Radio. There's something for everybody. We've got true crime. We've got history. We've got pop culture stuff. We've got movies. We've got motivation. We've got sports. You name it, we fucking got it. I mean, if they we don't, we will it. eventually. Uh, um, of course. Hell, we have home brewing. Yes. And also on our, our page, you will uh, on our uh, on Dark Windows Pod dot com you can find links to all of our social media our facebook we are we are uh dark windows podcast uh instagram we're at dark windows pod we're also at dark windows pod on twitter through instagram because i don't like twitter so I just do it all in one shot right from instagram it makes my life a little bit easier but with that being do, if you don't do any of those you can email us at darkwindowspod at gmail.com. Yeah, sure can. So also, with that... Remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Yes. We don't and with that being off. said, coming into the end of the show here, we will be back next week, headed a little bit further west down our road trip to the Hawkeye State of Iowa. Oh, so this will be oh, interesting. Iowa. Yes. The home of Radar O'Reilly. Also Slipknot, so maybe. I know that an album, they had an album that's from Iowa. Yeah, close enough. Yeah. Okay. I would have said, oh, cool. They had an album called Iowa. They might be from Iowa. I haven't gotten that far yet. I don't know, but Radar O'Reilly is from Otumwa. That's true. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) until next week, just because you can't see out into the dark doesn't mean that the dark can't see into you. Have fun. Bye-bye.